This is episode number 85 with Tucker Max. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Thanks so much for joining me today on the School of Greatness podcast. I'm your host, Lewis Howes, and this is the second part of a two-part series with the one and only Tucker Max. And if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, make sure to go check that one out over at lewishowes.com slash 78. That's the 78th episode where Tucker and I dive in deep about how to market your book and sell thousands of copies of your book yourself without a publisher. And he is really uh, the king of this. You know, he's got three different books that have been on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. I think there's only other two other people have ever done that. Malcolm Gladwell is one of them. So he is an authority in that topic for sure. A lot of people love that episode. So go check that episode out. The second part of the episode we start diving into a few of the topics of Tucker's personal life. And um, I realized that it wasn't a good fit to have all in one episode. So we broke it up in two episodes. And in this episode, we'll really talk about how fame and money have affected Tucker's happiness. We talk about the challenges and the fears of being in a dedicated relationship from uh, Tucker's experience. We also talk about how Tucker is using psychoanalysis to delve into his relationship issues from the past. Uh, We talk about how Tucker meditates and his thoughts on meditation, how Tucker used alcohol and women to deal with anxiety in the past and how he's shifted now out of that. We talk about Tucker's childhood and how it affected his drive to be successful and why he's been so successful. We talk about the emotional reasoning behind Tucker's passion for reading. If you go to this guy's uh, house, he's got books everywhere. The whole, all the walls are filled with bookshelves and all the books he's read. It's extremely impressive. But we talk about um, the emotional reasoning behind this for why he reads so much. And then we talk about the biggest lesson Tucker has learned from starting a committed relationship. So I'm actually uh, excited about this one. It was a lot of fun to have this conversation. I learned a lot about Tucker and why he does all that he does. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And, you know, let me know in the comments section after you uh, listen to this episode, in the comments section over at lewishouse.com slash 85, let me know if you've ever had some of these similar feelings about relationships. Go ahead and post them. Similar fears, um, similar... uh, anything, whatever it is that you've been affected by with relationships, talk about the challenges, the fears. Let me know if you've had any of those similar feelings that Tucker talks about here. And uh, I'll be interested to see where you guys are coming from as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode number 85 with the one and only Tucker Max. Unless you don't care about making sales and getting the book out there, you just want to say you have a book and be known as an author, then I guess that's yeah, the then, story. Yeah, then don't waste any time marketing the book. Right, Seriously. exactly. No, like, I, I, there are a lot of people who, you're exactly right, uh, Lewis, they want, to, they want to write a book because they want to be able to put it on their speaker page 
and they can double their speaking fee. Totally fine. If that's your goal, just do a super professional book and don't spend one dime marketing because mm. it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't. Well, I mean, I want to, I actually want to transition into uh, your personal life for a second and, yeah. and why you transition out of uh, writing the books that you were writing about and into kind of doing what you're doing now, which is more writing about book marketing and doing the dating stuff and also, you know, just kind of changing things around in your life. You know, when I saw you last, you have a, I don't know if you're even you know public about this, but you're you've got a no no. The one thing I know you're going to talk. I, I, I'm public about the fact that I have a girlfriend. The thing there I know you you're about to talk about. You're not don't public talk about, about it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, you're 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 kind of like taking it easy. I'll say you're kind of yeah. like putting your roots. <laughs> you're putting your roots down. Yeah. And why is that? And is that making you know is having a girlfriend and kind of like transitioning into other things? Is there a reason for that? And um, you know what kind of what's next for you? With uh, all this, you know, honestly, man, it just became one of those things where it was like it, there wasn't one day I woke up and I'm like, oh, I want to like put my roots down and have a girlfriend and get married and have a family. It's just like, look, when you're, I always say it like this: when you're 10 years old, you love playing with GI Joes. Mm. When you're 20, like you, that seems stupid, right? <laughs> well, it's sort of the same thing. Like when I was 20, all I wanted to do was get drunk and sleep with chicks and act like a fucking idiot. And I did. I acted like a moron for a long time. <laughs> and it was super fun. Right. And then it just got kind of boring for me. And, you know, like I happened to turn that sort of into a, a business and, and into a career sort of uh, writing about that. And so it kind of went a little longer than it might may have otherwise gone with me. But I just don't I just don't feel like doing that anymore, dude. Mm. It just it's just that simple. Like I don't feel like waking up with a different girl every day or like getting drunk and acting like an idiot, throwing up on myself. It's, it's fun for a while, but after a while it's boring and I wanted to move on to the next part of my life. And that, that was why I retired from Frat Tire. That's why I explicitly told my fans I'm not writing any more of these books. I'm done with this. And then like it just became a thing. It was like, I was like what do I want to do? And it took me about a year, two years. And I, but I realized like there's a million things I could do, right? But what are the two things I'm really good at? Well, I know books and book publishing really well. And I know girls and, and sort of dating and, and sex really well. So I'm just teaching those two things because those two things are both areas that a lot of people want to be better at mm -hmm. and I'm good at. And what was stupid is I spent a lot of years giving people free advice, which is fine. I have no problem giving my friends advice. But it, like we have a situation like my buddy with the book. It's like mm -hmm. I'll tell someone once and then I get tired because I get the next question, the same question the next day. And they're like, well, why don't you write this down? And that's they're right. I should. If I write it down once, then I don't have to fucking tell everyone. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's what I'm you know. now. And so you've got the podcast, which is pretty cool. You know, again, I listened to an episode and I, I think it's amazing what you're up to. Um, but what's, you know, this is going to last for a while too. Have you thought about like, you know, what's, what you're going to be, what you really want to be working on in five, 10 years, kind of like, this is stuff that you're really good at and you can make money at and you can help a lot of people. But is there other things that you're like, so extremely passionate about that you haven't tapped into yet or have you thought about like what's next i mean okay so obviously family relationship my personal life is obviously very important right so mm -hmm. I, I assume you're just talking about work life obviously right? uh, everything everything well like, i mean okay so if you want to talk how do you about wanna, life, like like what do you want to do like how do you want to give back or, or even thinking that or are you trying to build businesses do you want to you know own a basketball team what is it <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> I know you I love actually, basketball. I, well, I've actually been hanging out with Mark Cuban a little bit uh, yeah. because we like we go to these fantasy camps. He, dude, I'll tell you, you want to talk about an authentic guy? He's so awesome. He's so in person, exactly the way you think he is from TV. 
that dude's just amazing. Like I can't <laughs> say enough good things about Mark Cuban. I wish I could own a basketball team. I don't. Right. I don't know if I'm. It looks like basketball. The going rate's about two billion dollars. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to earn that. Lewis. I think. I think I may fall short of that. But um, no. Here's so the big thing for me. I think the last two three years has been my personal life. Right. Um, it wasn't a disaster by any stretch, but it was like I definitely learned the lesson that a lot of people learn. Having a lot of money and being famous doesn't fix your problems. Mm. It just means that you have money and are famous. And, that, and you, it actually means you can hide from your problems a lot easier, which is uh, sort of detrimental. So um, I've always had great friends. Uh, I haven't really had great romantic relationships. I've had a lot of romantic relationships, <laughs> but th- there weren't a whole lot of them that were really quality. And so I've, you know, like, I've really worked on that. And I think I have, I mean, you met Veronica. I think I have a sure. really great girlfriend and we have a great relationship now. And, um, and so working on sort of uh, intimate, sort of deep, meaningful relationships beyond just friends is definitely a priority for me. Because like, what are the only, the only two things that matter in life are work and love. And, and I don't mean work like your job. I mean the things you do that matter to other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so like uh, love and relationships are very important. But that's, that's not sort of a public thing. That's just, you know, that's my life, right? Sure. Um, the work stuff is more like, uh, I mean this is, uh, here's the funny thing, man. I fought. I know I can make a ton of money teaching book publishing and book marketing and, and, and sort of sex and dating young guys. I actually fought it for a few years just because it was like I didn't want to go into those areas just to make money, you know? Like, because to me, they, they're both very important things. And it's like I wanted to do them right. Sure. And it was, I had to, one of my friends, actually, Noah, you don't know a Kagan. Of course. Of like, course. Noah's like one of the ones who's like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, you know this stuff so well. He's like, you, you can do it in a way. Like, I was afraid, I guess part of me was afraid. Selling information always felt scammy to me because so many, well, here's the thing. So many people who sell information online are scammy direct yes. marketers. Yep. Not all of them by any stretch, right. but a lot of them are. And I just hated that feeling of being like them. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously the solution is simple. Don't do the things they do. Give most of your good information away. You know, sell, only sell the things that like, you know, cost you time right? and sell them to people who have a lot of money and who can leverage it and ROI it. And that's that, that way you can essentially pay for giving the information away free yep. by the people who, who have more money than time pay for that. And yeah. it makes total sense. And so that's what I'm definitely going to do the next, I don't know, four, five, six years. Beyond that, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not smart enough to be able to predict that far <laughs> in the future. I feel you. Now, here's a, a personal question. And if you, you'd rather not talk about it, that's fine. But, um, you know, for basically 20-something years, You've been having, let's say, shallower relationships with women, yeah. and uh, you know, looking for a transaction, looking for to have fun and, and whatever, short-term relationships. And now you're in what seems like a very loving relationship, um, very intimate, very connected, you know, vulnerable. All those things that are necessary for a loving relationship. Do you find it challenging and scary to stay in it, like day in and day out? Do you find it hard and difficult to not fall back into your default that you've done for 20 years? Um, and are there moments where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this and kind of freak out or do you just talk it through or what's kind of the process? Yeah, dude. I mean, it, of course, it's being vulnerable is really fucking scary, dude. Mm-hmm. That's that's why it takes real fucking courage to, yeah. to, to admit your fears and to face them and to open up. Like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's really hard. I mean, <clears throat> so yes. And how are you doing it? So the the big way, honestly, is um, I, I've been in psychoanalysis for three years, man. Like I, I go, f- 
like psychoanalysis is, is a certain type of talk therapy. Pretty much any talk therapy can work. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy, whatever. Uh, there's any number of, of sort of modalities, and, and most of them work, uh, at least for certain things, right? Talk, uh, psychoanalysis is just a very intense type that tends to work for people who are very thoughtful and very mm. intelligent and really want to understand themselves and dig in. You know, I'm sort of like, you and I are both the same. We're both very high information sort of voters, you know? Mm. And like, I really want to know everything I can. Where some people are like, I don't care about knowing shit. I just want the problem fixed and that's it, right? <laughs> right. I want to know everything. And so that's psychoanalysis for the, those type of people. And um, I've been doing that for three years. And uh, what it really does is it just teaches you how to understand yourself, understand your emotions, understand sort of where your thoughts are coming from, you know, like uh, why you're having them, um, those sorts of things. And uh, it's it's almost like like the way that people, I don't know if you read 10% Happier, uh, but no. that book, it's pretty good. Um, this guy kind of, he's a news guy, he started taking up medication, he, or not medication, meditation. And he, um, he realized, like, oh my God, I had all these thoughts and emotions and this constant inner monologue and I didn't realize it. And it was like, meditation is the same, very similar to psychoanalysis, except one's talk therapy and one's sort of like self-therapy. But mm. they're, they're very similar uh, and they, they have the same end goal in a lot of ways. And the, I, I needed, that was the tool I used, is sort of talk therapy to understand myself and my emotions. So I still have um, fear and I still, like being close to people is hard for me. It's hard mm. for a lot of dudes. Mm. Uh, the only difference between me and a lot of guys, I'm not afraid to admit it, and a lot of guys <laughs> are, you know? Uh -huh. And it, it, it took, uh, but here's the thing, it took me a long time to even admit that. To even admit that took me a long time. Mm. Yeah, of course. To myself, and um, yeah, dude, like uh, I, I found an amazing woman, and she uh, she likes to talk about, sort of, she, I mean, most women do like to talk about this stuff, but she she does. And so, like, we talk about, like, if I get upset or if, like, I feel whatever, we just talk about it and we mm. talk it through. And then it's like the, the anxiety goes away. Sure. You, you have to always do – when anxiety comes up, you got to do something to relieve it. And I probably used to use, like, either alcohol or women or whatever to relieve it, right? Um, now I, like – well, first off, I, I, I addressed a lot of my issues. So the anxiety comes up way less often. Mm -hmm. But now, it, it, like I talk to my girlfriend, or I, you know, do something like that, and then it's like, oh, okay, like why did you know why am I I'm upset right now? Why am I upset? Oh, well, probably because like X happened this morning. Well, why would that upset me? Because mm. whatever, you know. Right, right. Now I think a lot of men um, have a similar fear of getting in a relationship and then feeling like either they're missing out or maybe they still want to be you know, explore other yeah. options. Now that's something, that's definitely something I've had. Uh, and yep. it's also a fear of mine, like getting in a new relationship. I'm like, okay, what if I fall in love or have this amazing time? And then after a year or two, it's like, I want to start exploring other options or see what else is out there. Now I have no clue cause I'm not in like a committed relationship right now, what that would feel like. But is that something that's ever come up for you? Or, or if it is, do you do exactly what you just said, which is like, hey, I'm having these feelings or thoughts of like maybe exploring something and then you just talk it out and then that anxiety goes away? Uh, okay, so for, well, there's a lot of issues uh, with that question. So really, <laughs> no, but it's a really fucking good question, man. Right, because right. that question is at the core of a lot of things for a lot of guys. Here's the thing. Um, if I had met my current girlfriend at 28, it would have been a total, she probably wouldn't have dated me and it would have been a total disaster. Because right. at 28, I still had to fuck a bunch more women. Mm -hmm. You know, and so like I, I think 
what a lot of guys don't do is they don't sit down and are really take inventory and are really honest with themselves about what they want. They they know what they're supposed to want. Like they're either, you know, you see both sides. You see guys who think that they have to fuck a bunch of girls but actually want a girlfriend, and you see guys who think they're supposed to have a girlfriend but actually want to fuck a bunch of different girls. Mm-hmm. Listen, guys, neither one is right objectively. There's just what's right for you in that moment, you know? Mm. And the reality is, for whatever reason, it kind of doesn't matter what, what the reason is. The reality is, in my 20s and early 30s, I needed to experience a lot of women. And I did. And it was awesome. At least, like, a lot of it was fun. And I don't want to say I got it out of my system, but I think if I had never done that, it would, would have been an issue for me going forward with relationships, mm. right? Mm. Now, Here's the thing. I actually had this conversation with my girlfriend about three or four nights ago. I still see attractive women, and of course, I want to sleep with them. You know, like, right. I, I, I will be dead the time that I see a hot girl and don't think anything sexual <laughs> at all about her. That will be the day that I'm dead, right? Right, right. And I mean, that's probably like, for most men, too. Right, exactly. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? It, it, it's more like, okay. Like it doesn't mean – here's the thing. It doesn't mean I want to necessarily act on it because at the end of the day, it does become a – call. whether you realize it or not, it's a cost-benefit analysis. Yeah. I really like my girlfriend with my – or my relationship with my girlfriend. I really love her a lot and I would have no problem fucking that girl. And uh, so it would be no problem for me. That would hurt her a lot. That would betray the trust she has in the relationship and probably end the relationship or at the very least change it fundamentally in a, in a bad way. Mm. I value her in the relationship more than a random sexual encounter. Right. So that's just, that's like, it's not even a hard thing for me. Like it's not, if I had not experienced a bunch of women, it would be really hard be for hard, me, I think. Right. But I have, and I know what that, that other side is like. And it's not bad. It, like sleeping with a bunch of, of women is not a bad thing, but it's not, it's not as fulfilling to me at this point in my life than having a deeply committed, meaningful relationship. Mm. Now, dude, here's the, the, you, you had a good point. Well, what happens if I don't want that later on? Well, motherfucker, live that life when that time comes. <laughs> no, seriously, man. It's scary for a lot of people, though. It is scary, but nothing is forever, not even your life. Of course. So why are you, like, you shouldn't make a decision based on what you think you might do in 20 years or something, you know? Mm. Like, I know that I love my girlfriend now. I know I'm going to love her in the near future. I know that I want to try and build something meaningful with her. And is it a possibility that she leaves me or I leave her or she wants something different or I want something different in five years? Yeah. Or 10 years? Absolutely. But, I mean, it's a possibility I'm going to get hit by a piano falling out of the sky. I mean, come on, man. Life is now. And you got to make decisions based on now, not five years. Right. If you govern your life based on avoiding potential fear in the future, you will never do anything. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
Right, right. I'm going to break this up into two episodes just because I'm, I want to keep talking about this subject. Okay, but, let's go. But it doesn't yeah. make it doesn't make sense to have a book marketing and sleeping with women in the same <laughs> in the same podcast. So, yeah, right. Just so that you know. Okay. Um, but what I'm interested in knowing is what is it about your girlfriend that makes her the one for you right now or makes her the one that you want to develop a deep relationship with her and really connect and not sleep with other women what is it that what are the qualities she possesses what is the you know the things that she has that supports you as a man that says like this is the girl that i want to be with right now right so uh, let me address that it's a super good question let me address one thing so i i i i i know there are a lot of people swingers or certain guys that say you can sleep with multiple women and have deep emotional connections with all of them or have emo- connections with all of them i don't believe that mm. like uh, and, and believe me i have fucking tested this because I, w- <laughs> I wish it was true like right. i have lived with women where i was sleeping with all three of them i have dated lesbian or like sort of the bisexual girls who are might as well have been lesbians who brought girls home all the time wait did you say you were asleep living with three women at the same time uh, yeah, living with three and fucking all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, god! They, they knew there wasn't <laughs> right, right. going on. Yeah, no doubt. Um, or maybe I think it was two of the three, and then uh, one, whatever. But it, right. Yes, you've uh, explored it all. The other one wasn't living there, but she might as well have been because she was there six nights a week. But uh, whatever. So, like, the point is, I I have never seen a situation where you're capable of having deep, intimate, trusting, emotional connections with multiple girls or with open relationships, mm. okay? There are people who say it's possible, good for them. I wish I could make it work. I can't. So the only reason that I'm willing to be monogamous with my girlfriend, one is because she wants it, but so, like, so what, <laughs> what, what am I getting out of it, right? If well, she didn't want it, would you be able to make it work? If she wanted to have threesomes every now and then, I'd be totally down. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would love that. That would be amazing. Sure. Uh, but see, here's the thing. I've already, I've already done that. So, so it's not I, necessary. I, right. Here's, dude, threesomes are actually a lot of work. <laughs> like that's the dirty little secret of them is like once a month, it's kind of cool. But if you do it over and over, it's like, oh, God, you're like fucking sexually exhausted all the time. <laughs> and dude, I have a pretty high sex drive. And, and I'm saying this is a dude who has no problems like getting it up or, right. you know, I, I can, I'm reloaded quick. Man. And like, <laughs> I, dude, it's kind of a pain in the ass if every night it's like, oh, God, I got to fuck two girls twice again. <laughs> it's just right. like, it, it, it's almost like living at a buffet, you know? Like a buffet is awesome if you go once a week, but right. if you live there, you get sick of food. You're exhausted, yeah. Right, exactly. So, but my point is, what I find in her is that what what I get out of this is we have a deep emotional connection. I, I can trust her I, I more than I probably trusted anyone else in my life. I can be vulnerable with her, you know, like it's like having a soft place to land. Uh, I can confide in her. She's so supportive. She's so caring. She's so sweet. She's always on my side. Um, I mean, wow. not literally, but basically always on my side. She's on my side, you know? She's on your um, team. Right. She wants you to side. win in life. Exactly. She's, yeah. I, I know she's got my back. And that sort of connection and that feeling is amazing and so important, right? Now, at 28, I didn't value that more than sex with a lot of women because I thought I was getting that from, you know, like I had a bunch of really good friends and I still do, but friends aren't the same thing, man. As yeah. good as the best friends are, it's not the same thing as an amazing relationship, amazing partnership because it's basically two people connected in a lot of ways becoming one emotionally. You know, not mm. literally, of course, but um, becoming one. And so, 
So that, that I just want to make that clear. That's why I'm willing to sort of be in a monogamous relationship because I think I, I, what I'm getting is more valuable than what I'm letting go, mm. right? They're different things though and it's absolutely possible to value them differently than I am right now and I value them differently in my life. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Right. So there's not a right answer here. It's just right. what makes sense for you at the moment. Now, why do I am attracted to my girlfriend? Because, well, first off, let's not skip over the obvious thing. She's really fucking hot. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you've got to be physically attracted. Obviously, she's right. tall. She's beautiful. I, like, my athletic. She's, uh, she's like, right. She's a CrossFit competitor. She's like a fucking amazing at it. But she's not like a bodybuilder, ridiculous monster. She's still really sexy. Right. Um, and so, like, she's, I'm very physically attracted to her. Uh, physically, we, we have similar drives. She wants to fuck all the time. And it's like, she even wears me out sometimes, which is kind of perfect. Like it's all, it's never good. It's usually not good if the guy like doesn't get enough. Like that's unsatisfying. It is on a physical level. Um, she is very intelligent. She's very smart. She's a challenge for me to talk to. She knows more about, she's a nurse practitioner and you know, like knows, uh, like a, she's like a paleo ancestral sort of uh, practicing, um, you know, like Rob Wolf and Mark Sisson and those people. Sure. And she knows more about that field than I do. It's something I care about and I know a lot about and she knows way more than me, right? And that's sexy when you can learn something from your girl. Seriously, and learn real shit. Like she's like, there's a lot of things about stuff that, that uh, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. She's like, oh, you should do this differently. And I was like, really? And I tested and lo and behold, she's fucking right. And it's like, all right, that's, that's pretty fucking cool, right? Um, and then she's also, she's very entrepreneurial. She has her own business. You know, she understands mm. what it means to start a business. She's very supportive of like that, of me in that regard. And I am of her. I think most importantly though, dude, she's so sweet and she's so caring and she's so trustworthy, not in a pushover way or not. It's like, she definitely, she's a very strong woman and she absolutely like has her boundaries, but within those boundaries, she is so giving and so compassionate and mm. so empathetic I feel um, I mean I kind of sound like a little bitch saying it but I feel very safe with her mm. you know very emotionally safe and that that when you have that feeling it's very hard um, or it's very attractive is not the right word it's it's very engaging it's very meaningful like it it dating her made me understand why people don't want to fuck a bunch of women because <laughs> it was hard for me to understand right. until I really met someone until that I connected it. with on yeah. a deep level. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally mm. get it. It makes total sense. You know, I'm not going to oh. be start writing love songs about her and shit, <laughs> but like, like it, it really makes sense. Sure. You know? and, and I feel like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I'm able to be a better more expressive, more full person because of this relationship. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, I would say, you know, hanging out with you a couple of years ago, you were, you're still, you know, yourself, whatever, but seeing you this last time, it was definitely a sense of like calm groundedness. It wasn't like this, not like you weren't grounded before, but it was definitely a different sense about you and this groundedness. You were still outrageously, you know, expressive, but, uh, which isn't bad. It's just, it's who you are. It's just like you were grounded, which was really cool to be around. And uh, it's like you were connected in a different yeah. way. It's like you looked people in the eyes a different way and were able to relate and connect in a different way. Again, not right or wrong, good or bad, just different. Well, and yeah. Appreciated I, yeah. it, you know? Yeah. No, I, dude, I, I agree. I, I, I feel like this is one of those things that's hard to talk about until you experience, but I feel like a great relationship makes you a better person. Yeah. You know? And I think this has made me, she's made me, 
I don't want to say she's made me a better person because that's not true. It's our relationship has created something between us that has enlarged both of us. Like we are greater together than the sum of our parts. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Like, yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I mean, like you say, like you're not, you you said earlier, like, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, to find that or whatever, or or to like, I, I worry about these other things and, I dude, I went through that where it was like I, I really did. I mean, like as wonderful as Veronica is, I I absolutely had the thoughts where it was like, you know, what if she's not enough, right? Or yeah. what if uh, she's not hot enough? Which is kind of ridiculous if you look at her. But like, or what if you know, what if she's not smart enough? Or what if well, well, and it was like it was one of those things where it was like I didn't. I hate people who are like, oh no, just accept, you know, like just settle for someone. That's total <laughs> bullshit. Right. I do not think that at all. But at the same time. I, it was one of those things where I realized a lot of those anxieties, at least in me, were not about her. They were about me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was like, I was looking for, first off, it was a defense against intimacy. Like I was looking for flaws in her sure. so I could justify like not getting close to her. Because if I'm going to date, she is a fully expressed human. If I'm going to date her, I'm going to have to date her right, you know? Like there's not going to be any bullshit. Like, I mean, dude... You know how easy it would be for me to go through my life and date 21-year-olds or 23-year-olds and be so much smarter and so much more sophisticated than them and never really have to engage them or open up emotionally? Right. Like, I could do that without any problem. Most, you, get, you get bored, though. Right. Well, because it's not even that I get bored. It, that's a way of hiding from yourself. Sure. You know? Yeah. And with Veronica, she you can't I can't hide. Like she wants to fully engage and have a real relationship. And so if I wanted to date her, I had to do that too. And that's the thing is I wanted to, but it's like it's hard, man. It's it it <laughs> it, it um it makes you afraid. Yeah. Dude, it really does. It makes you afraid because you're very vulnerable. You sure. know, like if you open your soul to someone, they can leave you, they can hurt you, yeah. they can do all these things. And I trust her not to do it, but she could still do it anyway, you know? Right. And vice versa, you to her. So she's exactly. gotta trust you. Yeah. Well, what were the um I don't know if you've written about this or talked about this, so forgive me if you have, but what were, what was it like growing up for you? Like, what was it like, your experiences? What were you thinking about most of the time? What were the biggest challenges for you growing up? Because most successful people don't just have it super easy or it's not just like a cakewalk. There's something, right. and it doesn't have to be like this sob story, but there's something that's these break, make or break moments or defining moments that are like, oh shit, you know, I got to step up now. Or I've got to do this differently or something. So what was it like? What were you thinking about? Um, well, I mean, so uh, sob story aside, the reality is I didn't have very good parents. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't bad people at all. Like, you know, no one, uh, I didn't starve. Like I had clothes, you know, they didn't right. put anything in my butt or anything like that. There was no, <laughs> none of that shit, right? Um, they, they Tucker were, definitely knows how to make any vulnerable moment a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like anything he's about to say that's vulnerable, it's like, let's make people laugh first. Well, it's a good defense. Yeah, of course it is. Of course. That's why you're good at it. Um, so, so uh, basically my parents were just <laughs> like, they were emotionally fucked up people. And as a result, they were bad parents. Right. You know, they weren't bad people. They were just, bad really bad at being parents because the thing is they never really emotionally connected with me in a lot of not ways not that they didn't love you they love me the best they could right. they're just not able to love very Express, well right. and so they, they, they just did trade up a shitty job at being parents and that's sure. just all there is to it objectively shitty and, and like that's dude i mean you, you want to draw a direct line from why i am the way i am back to that you can't sure like why is it so hard for me 
to be vulnerable and to be trusting and all these sorts of, because I never learned that growing up. You know, I have no analog for that. In fact, like that sort of thing is very threatening to me in a lot of ways. So that's why I had to spend three years in psychoanalysis sure. and really understand this stuff about myself, face those deep inner fears and overcome them and get past them, you know? Um, and then otherwise, man, like the, uh, I'll tell you, there is an upside to my parents being really shitty. They, the fact that they basically ignored me and basically were really crappy parents, I had to learn how to be self-reliant mm. at an early age and that has helped me a lot. You know, like, like it's funny. If, if if I had to construct my parents, or I had to like, you know, if I had to, um, if I got to pick my parents, I would not. I would pick the opposite. I'd pick amazing people who love me, who are like perfect parents, right? And then the funny thing is, I wouldn't have these obstacles. And then by overcoming those obstacles, a lot of that is what's made me who I am. Yeah, you, you know wouldn't be where you are today without right, those parents. Right, exactly. Like, like if, if you could read really well, you wouldn't probably be a sick athlete. And right. You wouldn't be so socially skilled as you are. Exactly. Because you I'd would be reading have, all day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be exactly. smart. Exactly. <laughs> reading all day. Right. Right. Well, you are smart. You're just, right. You had to develop other intelligence. Exactly. You know, we, yeah, we talked wisdom. about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah we talked about this around our place. Like, people always told you you were stupid. It's total bullshit. You just weren't smart the way they understood Book intelligence. Smart. Exactly. Exactly. It's totally different, right? Um, so it's sort of the same thing. Like, uh, at no point am I happy with, with who my parents were. But at the same time, it's like, I had the wherewithal and the ability and, and the luck and everything else, the whole suite of, of sort of situations that led to me to overcome this stuff. And then like, that's why when my book, you know, my writing was rejected from everyone in publishing, I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Right. right. Whereas if I'd had great parents, I probably just set it aside and said, oh, well, I guess I'm not a writer. I'm going to go be a doctor or something, you know, mm-hmm. which is not bad. It just creates a very different life. You know, sure. you and I are on you and I are entertainers and educators and have podcasts and, and write because we've had to overcome obstacles <laughs> and we had to teach these things to ourselves. And so now other people, I think, like that's why we're interesting to them is because we can talk about them as well, you know? So where do you think it'd be if you didn't have any obstacles growing up or the obstacles that you do have? I, I, dude, I would almost certainly be like a surgeon or I would have like a very high status, high intelligence, normal job. Mm. You know, like, because uh, I'm not, like, I'm obviously a smart dude, but, like, why did I pick a path that was so sort of off? Like, I picked a really hard path, you know? And and, and it's not part <laughs> it's of it. It's off, pick, though. Right, exactly. But it wasn't obvious for a long time right. this would pay off. And part of the reason I picked this path is because I had to. I was very difficult to deal with as a young kid, yeah. uh, you know, even in my early 20s. And it was like, you know, I got fired from a lot of jobs. My dad fired me from the family business, you know. Hmm. So a lot of it is my own fault. But it's like it, if I was really good at doing the things you're supposed to do in quotes, I would just be like, you know, a lawyer, doctor, sure. you know, I'd be, I'd just be, you know, like maybe like whatever, vice president of sales for Time Warner. Who fucking knows? Like <laughs> some bullshit like that that's that it's perfectly fine. I'd make a bunch of money. I'd have a nice uh, wife, a nice house in the suburbs. I'd have a perfectly happy life. It might not even be boring for me. Like I know people who do that stuff who really like their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Most people don't, but not everyone. Some people like that. I right. might be one of those people. But the, the reality is I grew up in a very chaotic, very emotionally turbulent, uncertain world, you know, a childhood. And um, and it, I, I like it's like I that's part of why I, I think I have to succeed too. Like I'm driven to succeed is because 
I got no attention as a kid. I sure. got very little sort of positive feedback. And it's like one of those things where there's a lot of ways to react to that. If you're, there's a lot of de- defenses. You can either say, fuck you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how big I'm going to be, which is kind of the way I went. Or you can like retreat into depression and self-destruction or drug addiction. Right. Or there's lots of ways to deal with that emotional pain. I channeled it in generally positive ways, not totally positive all the time. Right. <laughs> but generally, uh, I made I tried to make something up. You channeled you know? it into a, a drive and a, a grit and a hustle that most people don't have. Right. But what's funny, man, is what got me there isn't what's getting me here. Like I had to I had to the things that drove me to be great were also things that were sabotaging me. Of course. That's what made uh, you get into all these different, you know, want right. to sleep with every woman in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I had to learn how to deal with my emotions. Like those things work when you're young and you're hustling and you got sure. nothing to get you over that hump. But once you get over the hump, using the same behaviors actually inhibits you. It's really hard to be successful, to, to have the attributes that get you successful and then to also maintain success. It's like two different sets of attributes. Mm. You know? So, so when you were when you were, you know, before teenage years how were you coping with things emotionally before you could actually like go and like date women and like right. drive or go somewhere on your own? What were you doing like when your parents were fighting or it was just like messed up night? Like what would you do? Did you have like some little games yeah, so you played or hobbies or things to like? I read a lot. Yeah. Um, I, like it's funny. You've been in my apartment. Like I have 3,000 books in my <laughs> it's apartment. It's a library. Right, exactly. It really it's amazing. Is. It's awesome. It is. Okay, so that's we talked about this in an analysis, like maybe in the first six months of my analysis. Why do I have so many books in my place? And you know, the answer is I love to read. You know, and reading teaches me, et cetera, et cetera. And there's lots of there's rationalizations you can have for that, and they're true. All those things are true. I love books. I love reading. But then my analyst kind of pushed me, sort of like the way you are now. Like it's the right question. Why do you love to read? Like mm. why does it? What does that mean to you? And really kind of unpacked it and I realized that as a kid, books were uh, not just an escape from the chaos around me, but books were also the way, my way out, you know? I realized as a kid that everything I'd been through, everyone else had been, someone else had been through, right? I, I, I'm not, I, nothing I'm going to do in my life is going to be, I'm going to be the first time to experience love, hate, envy, fear, uh, you know, sex, uh, greed, whatever, um, nothing. And if I, all the answers were out there in books, if I just read enough books and figured out the right books and applied the lessons in the right way, I could figure out all the lessons that my parents weren't teaching me and I could figure out how to be the things I wanted to be. I just had to do it on my own. Right. You know, and so books, that's one of the reasons I have 3,000 books in my place is because they have a very important emotional attachment to me. Mm. They're sort of, it's like they're my, not control, but they're my way of dealing with life when I have nothing else on my side. What would you do if you couldn't read books anymore? Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. Listen to them on audio? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to audiobooks, I guess. I don't know. That's a <laughs> but is there like a therapeutic, uh, you know, reaction for you when you sit down and open up the book and read it? And, and as opposed to just listening to a book or, you know, no, no, no. Reading itself is not therapeutic to me. Gotcha. I okay. think it's have, having the books around makes me feel very, I mean, because think about it, dude, I could, ha- I could have all these books on Kindle. Sure. But I don't, I have physical copies all over my apartment and it's not showing off. These aren't like rich leather bound tomes or I'm right. trying to look cool. They're actual books that I actually read. I think it's having them around 
makes me feel like I can solve any problem. Like, no, <laughs> the seriously. encyclopedia of everything. Right. It's like the, the answers are out there. And even though I can't get them from my parents, I can get them from somewhere. It, mm. Actually, and part of it is a defense. Uh, I think like not having to rely on other people because that's mm. something I learned early on from having shitty parents is, is not to rely on people close to you. So, and that's, so become and that's, as smart as possible and know everything so you don't right. have to rely on anyone for answers. Okay, that's great, except it doesn't work in relationships. Exactly. It doesn't work in, I mean, <laughs> clo- close romantic relationships. Yeah. And that's literally what I'm in the middle of working through with uh, wow. sort of my, my analyst and with Veronica is like, and she's, she's so patient. She totally gets it. She understands, like, sh- so much of what she values about me also comes with these negative sides. And she understands, like, I've got to work through this stuff. And she's super helpful about it. And she's very compassionate about mm. it. And like I can talk about it with her and she's really smart. She gets it, you know. And so it's like I can overcome these issues. I just kind of – you ba- not basically. You literally have to rewire, rewire your brain. You have to train your brain yeah. to think with different – in different patterns. Yeah, because you have 30 plus, year, 30 plus years of a habit of, of default habits and now you've yep. got to change it to something completely different in order for a relationship to work. Yeah, I mean that on a neurological level, that's actually literally how it works. Yeah. yeah which is not easy. Nope. Um, but once you retrain your mind it's, and you, you stay consistent with it, then it becomes easier. What, yep. is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself while being in this, in this type of relationship with your girlfriend? Like, What's the biggest thing you've learned so far? And maybe it's a couple, but what's something that comes to mind? Man, that's a good question. The biggest thing I've learned. Um, uh, you know, honestly, the the, the, I, I, the thing that I've learned the most is how to um, how to be expressive and care about how to think about someone else's needs, right? I wasn't super. I, I, I was never like a clinical full-on narcissist, but I always had very narcissistic behaviors. You know, mm. like it's not that I didn't care about anyone else; I just didn't think about anyone else. You know, <laughs> right. because I mean, like when you grow up basically alone, only thinking about yourself. You know, I'm only child. Parents are never there. My parents got divorced when I was like a year and a half. My mom was a flight attendant. Like Jesus Christ, dude. Like I was, I mean, like I, ba- I was basically a feral child, you know. <laughs> and, and so, like understanding the thoughts, needs, desires of other people, especially the unstated ones, is not. Any, it's a very difficult thing for me. And there are quite a few times in our relationship where I'll do something, and Veronica will be like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "What? What's wrong?" Like I, I don't even know what she's upset about. And she's like, like she, you know, like is pretty pissed off. But she, at the same time, she, she's pretty patient with me because she understands, like, okay, he doesn't get it. But there are times where, like, she needs something from me and someone who, you know, grew up with nor- in normal family or, or brothers and sisters or is good at relationships will know that intuitively. I don't know mm. most of those things intuitively. So I've had to learn how to, like, um, I've learned how, I had to learn how to understand people. In, it, I mean, I'm really good at understanding people in sort of, like, okay, I want to, like, whatever, read this person for this negotiation. Like, like if, if you and I were in a negotiation across the table, dude, I can read you like a fucking book. No problem. <laughs> but that's totally different than being in a relationship. Right. Totally different. Totally different. And so like I, I'm very bad at that, at, at, at understanding people and reading people in the midst of a connected, intimate relationship. And that's the thing I've learned the most is how to do that, like how to think about her how to think about uh, what she cares about and how to adjust my behavior so that like um, I, I, I'm considering her, not just myself. Right, right. You know? 
Man, I could talk about this stuff for hours with you, and uh, I really appreciate you, you know, opening up about this. But um, I really want to acknowledge you for everything you are up to right now, not just with like the business and the book stuff and you know the podcast and all the you know, all the amazing things that you're known for, but really for. Uh, and, and, you know, not trying to get sappy here, I should probably swear really quickly to make a defense mechanism, but really for, um, like, just for fucking stepping up as a man the way you have been stepping up. And again, it's a journey. And it's a journey that I'm on, that you're on, we're all on, but the way you've been doing it, I really acknowledge you for the courage that it takes uh, because I know how scary it is. Yeah. And uh, I acknowledge you for you know, everything you're up to in life and how you, you really care for people. You know, when I go stay at your place, whenever we get to hang out, you know, once, twice a year, whatever it is, you really care and it shows. And I really appreciate that about you. And, uh, it, it just means so much to know you. It means so much for me to know you and know how big of a game you're up to in the world and how you're really impacting a lot of people. So I really, I really appreciate you for everything you're doing. Thank you, man. Thank you, dude. You, yeah. You're, you're going to ruin my reputation now. <laughs> I know. I know, right? <laughs> People might start liking me after this podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm the reason why it's like flown by for me So in this podcast is because it's like we're, you're talking for real. You're like just sharing openly and vulnerably, and it's so interesting for me to listen to. And obviously, we've had this conversation before, but it's just it's really engaging and fun, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this. So, um I'm gonna have to have you come back on sometime, but uh, anytime, bro. I wanna, I'd, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I would love to. The, uh, the next, the next book you come out with, we'll uh, we'll talk more about the relationship stuff instead. So, um, to go into the last question, which is what I ask everyone on the podcast before we wrap up, is uh, what is your definition of greatness? What is my definition of greatness? Um, I think doing something that matters for other people. You know, like if if you can if you can create things or do something that matters, that creates value for other people, that makes you great. You know, so like I, I would, anyone, um, anyone, I mean, take a business example, Uber, Uber like is better, is great for everyone on earth except taxi cab companies and fuck those, <laughs> fuck those people, right? That's so, you know, Travis might not be a great guy, but that's a great thing, mm. you know? Um, you know, if you help people understand things better, if you provide them a service that makes their life better, if you provide, you know, if you make food, if you, whatever, anything, anything that makes the real lives of real people better, I, that to me, that's what's great. Mm. You know, like that's why I, I don't consider Alexander the Great great. All that did was he, all he did was kill a bunch of people. Mm. You know, he didn't, right. he made, he made his life great. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. I appreciate it, man. Where are uh, where can we where should we connect with you? Are you still promoting TuckerMax.com, or is it uh, is there somewhere else where we can really find you and, and stay connected online? Yeah, uh, so the the best place is actually probably TuckerMax.me. That's sort of the, okay. the blog that I put up after I retired from Frat Tire to, to kind of handle the stuff I'm doing afterwards. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's I, I put stuff there, or just go to Bookstrapper if you care about the book stuff. If you don't, then uh, don't pay attention because it's worthless. <laughs> cool, no problem. We'll have it all linked up over in the show notes, and this will be a two-part series. So, again, Tucker, it's a it's a it's a pleasure, man. I really appreciate you sharing and opening up and and uh, giving us your wisdom on the podcast. It's my pleasure, man. Anytime. Thank you very much. It is a great this is a great podcast. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, 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 oh,
And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And a big shout out and thank you to Tucker for being so open and uh, sharing with us all of his uh, past experience information and kind of what he's up to now. I think it takes a lot for someone to to talk about it all so openly. So thank you again, Tucker, for that. Big shout out to you, my man. I appreciate your friendship. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends over on Twitter and Facebook, Google+. Post a picture on Instagram where you are listening to the show and just give me a, a tag at Lewis Howes or hashtag School of Greatness. And I appreciate you guys. If you have yet to leave a review over on iTunes, please do. That supports the growth of the show and gets the show out there to more people. So if you love this show, if you listen to every episode, if you listen to multiple episodes over and over and over again, then uh, please leave a review if you have yet to leave one. It would uh, support me uh, so much. So thank you guys for all that you do, for sharing, for promoting, for spreading the word about the School of Greatness. You guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and not a yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.